Hello, Linux fans, and welcome to another episode of Destination Linux, where we cover Linux news, reviews, and anything else that may be fun or interesting in the Linux world. And I'm Rocco, and this is episode 13 of Destination Linux. Hi, Rob. Hello, Rocco. How are you? Oh, dude, I'm doing it. I'm making it, brother. I'm making it. What's been going on this week? Uh, it's been a hectic week. I've been uh, really getting back into KDE and so far uh, tweaking a few things within the uh, Manjaro install on the family PC. Have you tried Manjaro yet? Rob, have I tried? No. As a matter of fact, I have not tried Manjaro yet, Rob, because I can't get it installed. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have spent the last couple of days trying to get it installed and trying to get it installed. And I have tried using the, uh, whatever you call it, the Thus, T-H-U-S installer. Right. I've tried right. um, the regular Calamari's, um, and it just fails every single time. I've redone the usb i have redownloaded the iso i've checked the image uh, i've done everything i can and i still can't get it installed the only thing that i haven't tried yet is uh gorilla suggested on youtube that i install 16 10 16 or 4 16 10 update. something like that and then update um but other than that i have not been able to get it installed man i am sorry to hear that I, i've had a few people well you know what my installer failed um at 97% the first time I tried to install it. And I, I did not screen capture the message, and I should have, because you're not the only person who's had some issues getting that installed. I've seen a couple of comments where people said, I just can't get it to install. So something's going on there that they should probably take a look at. There's other people that run it that install it with no problems. I don't understand. Like, it's almost like it's a hardware issue, maybe, that yeah. depending on the hardware that you have in the computer, you're going to have issues because... Like I said, I mean, Sudo runs it without any issue. Uh, a couple other guys run it, and they don't, I don't know. I don't understand why there's so many issues with certain hardware, certain computers, and none with others. So, Yeah. But we'll eventually get it on there, Robin. We'll get it. Well, good luck. Exactly, and I think you will. And um, Man, there's something else that I know we're both running right now that I'm <laughs> loving, and that is the Latte uh, app. The Latte Dock, man, is absolutely awesome. It is something that you can install on Plasma 5, 5.8 or higher. And you can run it like a program, like a Plank Dock. But it's so much more than that. It can take the place of all of the panels. Like right now, in my KDE, I don't have a regular panel. I added instances of Latte Dock and are using them as my panels because they integrate directly into Plasma. That is fantastic. Now, you you opened my eyes, so as soon as I saw it, I couldn't wait to install it, and I did. I messed with it for about an hour and then did a video on it, because I'm like, everybody needs to know about this yep. thing as quickly as possible. And then your video opened my eyes to all of the various, uh, the task bar side of things, where you can really start adding things in more than just launchers for your applications. Well, there's a whole, there's a task manager built into it that will act almost like a plank where it will show you the open applications, but you can add your launchers to that 
and you can basically set the panel up and if this is what you want you can set it up to be an act just like unity uh where you have the big icons on the left hand panel and they stay there and you know they stay there as shortcuts but when you open them you can get to the programs by using them um it just has so many different settings into it uh it takes on the blur effect and the transparency that a regular plasma panel has uh, you can run multiple instances of it. You c- it has a justify option on it too. I where, saw that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's awesome! Like the regular KDE panel needs that just. That's what yes, I've been saying for I don't know how long. They need that justify option in KDE. Where if I put the clock in the center, it goes directly in the center, regardless of what's beside it on either side. Yep. And it's a. I- it's an awesome uh, thing. Dude. All right, this is this is a statement I want to make here. So between KDE Connect and now Latte, it's like, <laughs> dude, it makes KDE absolutely awesome to run, man. I mean, <laughs> and right. this is okay, but this goes back to why I run KDE, why you run KDE, yeah. because of all the innovation that's in it, because of all the great features in it. Now they were trying to uh, the, the developer uh, actually did some work to maybe try to get it working on something like Mate. Okay. And uh, there's he actually made a branch for it, and I'm going to be testing it out hopefully soon, and uh, maybe we can get it to work on Mate. But right now, or Mate, but Latte, Mate? Yeah, Latte, uh, Mate. The two go together. <laughs> but right now, it's only on Plasma, and that's another reason why you should run KDE. <laughs> that's right. Well, with that said, Rocco, we have got, I think uh, – going to be one of our better podcasts because we have a guest and uh that guest is aj rising one of the one of the best youtube channels out there for tutorials and distributed reviews he takes everything in depth and down to a level where you can understand and he does a great job at just putting out tutorials that are easy for anybody to watch he absolutely does he was an inspiration for me to get back into Linux after a several year hiatus. And I know he was an inspiration for many other people. And like you said, he puts it at a level where just the average guy can under guy or girl can understand uh, what's going on and what it is he's talking about. He was also instrumental uh, for me starting up Linux quest, uh, just kind of seeing what he was doing and how much he's helped the community. Well, AJ, welcome to the show, man. We're thrilled to have you. I'm glad to be here. What's going on, man? Uh, you know what? It's a day off work. Uh, I get to kind of kick back and relax and, uh, you know, the opportunity to talk some, to some other people about Linux, one of my favorite subjects. Awesome. Yeah, we, we're known to talk about Linux from time to time. <laughs> Once in a while. <laughs> Every now and then. Well, I have to say that um, your channel has been one of the ones that I have gone to over and over again for topics on learning how to do things, um, tutorials, distro reviews, and I have watched it for a long time. So I really appreciate talking to you, man. Oh, I'm you know, glad somebody enjoys it out there. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I enjoy doing the videos. I love, uh, love what I do there. And, uh, um, uh, you know, it it kind of it kind of gave me just one one to do th- do something I like to do, and then also um, to uh, you know 
being said, I do a fair amount of tutorials, be able to, to help other people uh, learn about Linux. So what do you have going on on your channel right now? Well, the thing I've been doing, I, I just started a few weeks ago. Uh, I've been doing what I'm calling the, the Linux Mint Challenge. And that kind of got, that kind of got rolling in that, uh, you know, for, for a long time, seen, uh, you know, either, either gotten email messages or, or read uh, Google Plus posts or Facebook or, you know, wherever, um, you know, you're more, you're more experienced users, uh, people that have been, been playing around with Linux for years and, and whatnot that uh, are down on distros like um, Linux Mint, um, your, your base Ubuntu distro, you know, all, all these distros that are, um, I wouldn't say they're just geared for the new user, but are, are trying to be new user friendly. And, you know, they're, they're, you'll see these bad comments about how it's only good for new users. It's all, it's, it's no good for, uh, for the more experienced users out there. And I was, uh, you know, I was kind of like, well, you know, let's, let's, uh, you know, put that to the test. So, um, you know, I have been using, um, well, you know, over the years, I've used a lot of diff different distros. You know, I was I was an Arch user for for a long time, and then um, recently, um, or at least as of uh, end of last summer, really got into using Solus and and love that distribution. Um, but you know, I kind of I I uh, I switched my uh, main desktop over to Linux Mint, and uh, at least for right now, running uh, Linux Mint the uh, uh, with the Cinnamon desktop. And then uh, after I get done uh, after I get done with the Cinnamon desktop, I'm going to do the same thing uh, using Linux Mint KDE. And then I actually had when I when I initially proposed this idea on Google Plus, I got a lot of input from. KDE users that were saying that they'd really like for me to do it, but use, uh, uh, do the same thing using KDE Neon. Um, so I guess I'll be doing KDE Neon once, uh, once I finish with Linux Mint. You're after our own heart there with KDE Neon. And, <laughs> and uh, I've got to admit your previous statement there about statements made about distros like Ubuntu and, and uh, Linux Mint. I'm guilty. I, I pick on Linux Mint, but we, we joke about it, though. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have no, oh, yeah. I, I really yeah. like Linux Mint, but we have the ongoing joke that it's a static page. You know, exactly. On DistroWatch, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I got to kind of back it up just a little bit as well. When I decided to kind of get back into Linux and started watching YouTube, it really – you know, back when I initially got into Linux the first time years ago, I'm not going to say how many, I don't want to date myself, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there were no resources like YouTube. YouTube didn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. And it was a real struggle back then. And so when I decided to get back into Linux and really eagerly wanted to learn about what was going on uh, and what all was new, your channel was one of the first channels that I found. And it was so helpful to me because you were presenting things in layman's terms. You were laying things out in a way that I could understand. And that made it so much easier for me to say, you know what, this isn't as difficult as it used to be. And then finding additional resources online, it, it, it became exciting. Like all of a sudden I went from, am I going to do this to, 
man, I was excited. I couldn't wait to get the, my first fresh distro up there, you know? So all of that work, all of that time you've put in, man, it pays off. Well, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm glad to, to hear that. And part, I guess part of my thing is that I, you know, I am not a programmer. Um, you know, uh, I don't have a, my background is computers and computers is completely self-taught. Um, you know, once again, not to, not to go into the whole dating oneself thing, but, uh, uh, you know, when I graduated from high school, Linux did not exist. Uh, um, windows barely existed. Um, <laughs> It was, it was a fairly new thing. Um, so it's not like, you know, this is stuff that I picked up when I was in school and whatnot. Uh, you know, I had to self teach myself and not like not being a programmer or, you know, in a related field. Um, I think for me, you know, I think it's easier for me to put things in, in, in terms that your average person that is not a programmer, that is not, uh, you know, a web developer is going to understand. Well, well it's that very brings us to, I'm sorry, Rob, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's very helpful. Well, that brings us to how you got started in Linux. Um, you know, I, I initially played around with it a little bit um, uh, in the uh, like mid to late 90s. And um, uh, it, it was it was much more difficult at that time. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, and then I walked away from it for for a while. And you know, it was more more of a hobby thing than anything else. And then, um, probably around um, I'm going to say 2007, 2008 is when I I came back to Linux. Um, it, it, you know, there wasn't a, you know, one specific problem. It was, you know, uh, people were for, were for first starting to realize, I wouldn't say first starting to realize, but it was really coming to the forefront of how insecure Windows was. You know, people for a long time have been talking about how insecure it was and, 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 uh, and, and things of that nature. Wait, but, are you saying that Windows is insecure? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, at, at that time, people were really, it was starting to be taken seriously, I guess. Um, and, and there were a lot of things that I wanted to do that, uh, uh, you know, I was limited on Windows in that uh, if you wanted to do X, you had to buy Y piece of software, which was, um, you know, hundreds of dollars. And, and uh, uh, at the time, that just was not in the budget for something that I was essentially going to just play with. Um, and so that kind of got me interested in Linux again. And then the availability of, of all the software and things just kind of you know, progress from there. And then really about, uh, I guess about, uh, 2011, 2012, right about that point is when I, I pretty much completely went to, uh, to Linux. Um, and you know, other than when I am at my regular day job, um, I don't use windows, uh, period. 
What, what was it about Linux that made you decide, hey, I need to start sharing this stuff on YouTube? Uh, in, in, you know, in part, it was, you know, when, when I got started, there were, there were some other, um, YouTube channels or not, uh, there were some on YouTube, there were some other Linux channels, but, um, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot of tutorials. Um, and even the, even the ones that were, I think, I'm not going to say that they were all programmers, but uh, they they were not. Uh, a lot of times, the the uh, the instructional videos that you found, uh, they really weren't something that uh, the average uh, new to Linux kind of person could follow. Um, you know, uh, and and then a lot of people really, uh, or a lot of the videos really focused on doing everything from the command line, and for a lot of new users, that's as soon as you open up that terminal, it's going to scare them right off. Right. That's a, that's a very true statement. And, um, and now you're starting to see far less stuff being done in the terminal. I think, I think, I think so. Um, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, if you go back, you know, five or 10 years ago, stuff that you absolutely had to do in the terminal now, uh, you know, there's a, at least an option to go in and, and do it from a graphical interface. Um, uh, I mean, having said that, uh, I do like working in the terminal a lot of times, but there are, there are plenty of times when um, going graphical is, a, is a, at the very least a faster route to go. Well, and it and it makes for better video, also. I mean, you can only stare at the guy typing on the terminal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Before you lose interest. <laughs> I don't yeah. care how nice the background music is. That's right. right. <laughs> All right. So, um, what do you think about the latest releases and security vulnerabilities like Vault Seven and the CIA? all that stuff. What, what is your general take on that? Um, you know, I think that, um, I don't know, I guess the way to, I, I guess the way to put it is like on a lot of, like if you're going down the route of the NSA leaks, the CIA stuff, um, you know, what we are reading on WikiLeaks uh, these days, you know, it, it is, I guess, confirming what, so many people have been saying for a very long time and you know for a lot of for a lot of people it's like oh my god i can't believe this and and you know there's there's this group of people in the back staying in the background waving their hands saying hey i've been telling you this for <laughs> years um you know i've i've gotten to the point um anytime that i go online um I, I, I work under the assumption that somebody is watching me, um, you know, and, you know, you really don't like to say that, but, you know, if, if you want, uh, if you want to keep, whether it's your email secure or, or text messages or whatever it is that we're talking about, uh, if you want security, that's kind of the way you need to assume well, me and Rob were talking about it last week, and, you know, there's a difference between, you know, having your information out there, knowing that it's out there, and them listening or 
recording whatever is whatever they're doing without you knowing about it. Oh you know, yes, yeah. There's a there's a huge difference between that. So I just yeah. think it's a, a terrible thing. But the way the way everything's going, I don't know if we're going to get around it. No, uh, I I yeah, and 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 you know the the revelations about uh, you know the 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 CIA being able to remotely turn on your cell phone or remotely turn on your computer, what, you know, whatever, whatever, uh, or, you know, whatever smart device, you know, uh, uh, are you being recorded through your, uh, smart TV when you don't know it? Uh, that's kind of scary. Yep. Yes, it is. And I, I recently watched the, uh, Snowden movie and, um, uh, it's a good it's a good movie number 1 it's a, it's an eye opening movie and you know that some of it of, of course is dramatized and you know it's yeah. got the hollywood touches added in but still if you take the premise of what they're doing with these massive data banks and then of course the real world wikileaks where this information has come out now where maybe 2 years ago if we were having this discussion and you just said what you said AJ that, yeah, could they record you through your TV? You'd have people scoffing at that. You'd have people laughing at that in some cases two or three years ago. But today, no one's going to laugh at that because of the information that's come out. And, you know, someone even said, well, could they record you through your microwave? Well, we all laugh. Ha, ha, ha. But yeah. re- is it, reality. Is it a smart microwave? <laughs> right. Is it a smart microwave? It is a smart refrigerator. Uh, you know, with the screen on the refrigerator, and then it's not so funny. <laughs> well, the scary part is that you know, obviously all of this stuff has come out, but that's not all that they have or all that they can no. do. They're always ahead of the game as far as technology is concerned, and it's just scary to think about what they actually can do without us right. knowing. Well, about and it. you know, like like this is you know what was leaked. This is what we know. And to your point, what do we not know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the uh, blips that really caught my attention was that they had back doors through Windows and even within the Windows 10 updates. Now, immediately, I wanted to make a joke about that and say, so that's why the updates take an hour and a half. But, <laughs> but, but um, coming back to that, there was no mention of Linux. You know, there was not to say that it's not happening, but what's your take there? Do you feel like, cause I kind of feel like, Hey, if, if we've got thousands of people with their eyes on the Linux kernel and so many people involved in an open way, does that truly make it more difficult for uh, that type of thing to happen? And, and I don't know the, I'm not smart enough to know the answer to that, but I was just wondering what your take would be. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know the answer to that, but, you know, just kind of thinking out loud, one, like you said, there's all these people that are working on the Linux kernel, not to mention people that aren't really, you know, quote unquote, working on it, but, you know, everybody has access to that source code and can take a look at it. And, uh, you know, anybody can, you know, raise their hand and say, I found something. Um so, I mean, I think that in one case, <clears throat> in part, is going to reduce the chance of that. Um, <clears throat> and then just the fact that there are, I think, you know, fewer um, uh, 
fewer Linux users as opposed to Windows users or Mac users. Um, <clears throat> it's, you know, e even with the massive budget that the federal government has and the, the dollars that are going to the CIA, the NSA, whichever organization we're talking about, there is a limited amount of money. It is, <clears throat> it is more practical for them to go after back doors in Windows as opposed to uh, trying to find one in the Linux kernel. And, you know, kind of at the same time, it's, you know, very possible, I don't know how likely, but very possible that uh, 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 Microsoft is more than happy to work with the uh, the government to provide the back doors. Well, and I thought about that as well, and I'll, I'll just, I don't mind saying it, but, uh, you know, if I were someone in Microsoft responsible for making sure that the U.S. government is using my operating system, and that we're getting those support dollars and everything on a massive scale, and who knows how much money's involved in something like that, then would it behoove you as a company to at least make it easier for that kind of access? You know? Exactly. Uh, yeah, it always comes back to the money. Yeah. So, that's right, you know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but let's, let's, you know, you, we talked about the, the kernel and. I'm not going to say that there is, but it wouldn't it surely wouldn't shock me to have a backdoor in the kernel even with all of the eyes on the the source code and everything because I mean I just think that one there have been vulnerabilities that have been in the kernel for a long time that haven't been fixed that we didn't see um and two it to me if I'm looking at it from their standpoint I'm not going to it's not going to be like, well, we're able to record or control these type of computers that are on Windows. But if you're on Linux, well, we don't have nothing for that. <laughs> you, know, you're, you go silent when you're on Linux. So I, I just yeah. think that there probably is something out there maybe we don't know about. But it's just guessing. You know, you don't know. You have no think, idea what they have. I think a good statistic to see is uh, what do the people who work at the NSA and the CIA, and what do they use in their spare time? And if the overwhelming number was Linux, well, maybe there's a good reason behind that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, anybody up for some coffee? I know AJ's got his cup there. <laughs> I got mine You want a refill, right man? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you use a VPN, AJ? Yes. Um, and it kind of gets back to what I said before, um, you know, with basically assuming I'm always being watched, um, you know, if, if I am interested in, in, uh, sending or sending something securely or, or, you know, don't really doing anything securely, um, that's when I fire up the VPN. Yeah. And obviously, that's not a that's not a fix all for 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 everything, but uh, uh, it is a starting point. Well, I run a VPN and I run it all the time, and I usually use private internet access, and that covers not just you know your browser window and your email, but it also covers the whole internet connection itself. Right. So, and I really, I mean, it's not like I started using a VPN 
just solely for the CIA. Uh, it was more yeah. for, you know, I have a Comcastic internet connection and I really <laughs> don't feel like giving Comcast every piece of information that goes through my connection. So, um, uh, exactly. Uh, you know, and you know, I've got mine through time Warner and, uh, you know, they, they are, they are more than happy to tell you that, uh, yeah, we know every, Every uh, web website that you visited, every you know, every every IP address, you know, they they got it all. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's why I started using a VPN, and uh, you know, there's times where they actually private internet access has a GUI program for Ubuntu-based operating systems, yeah. but it doesn't. Yeah, have that, it for and actually, Arch. that's who I uh, that's who I have my uh, VPN through. Nice. Well, I, I'm unable to get it working on art, so I have to use, you know, do the open VPN, but yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Do you use a VPN, Rob? Well, I do. It's, but it's, I turn it off and on. So if, you know, if I am um, doing something that involves any banking or any information that I, I feel like I, there's a multiple multitude of things that I do there that I feel like, you know, I just don't want this information out. <laughs> But it's not something I have on all the time. I need to check into what you're you're using there with the. Uh... Well, I've checked out a ton of different VPNs, and I have done trials, and you know, paid for some. And there is, to me, there's none that are better without having to pay an astronomical number of right. hundreds, hundreds of dollars a month. Um, there's none better than private internet access. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think it is the. The, pretty much the best bang for the buck. <clears throat> so you had touched on something earlier, um, and this is kind of moving away from the security discussion, but you talked about the number of users, you know, Linux users as compared to, of course, Windows and, and Mac even. Right. Do you get the feeling that Linux is finally starting to kind of come into its own? I mean, we, we joke about this where every year there's an article, you know, at the end of the year, or at the beginning of the year, is this the year of Linux? Or the article says, well, 2017 wasn't the year of Linux. However, you know, there's always something about right. it being the year of Linux. And I'm not getting hung up on that. But I feel like, and maybe it's because now I'm kind of involved more with an online presence. And you're, you know, you see people, new people coming into it all the time. Do you feel like it's growing? Do you feel like it's finally getting some momentum uh, where compared to, say, five years ago? Um, I, I think the use is up and I think, I think, um, in a way, and you know, um, windows 10, I think really helped Linux, uh, <laughs> with the disaster it's been way to go. Um, Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, one thing that I've kind of encountered and, and, you know, is it growing or is it not? Uh, I, I'm not sure on that, you know, I'm always talking to and getting questions from people that are completely new to, uh, to Linux distros. So, <clears throat> you know, that's, a, that's a good sign, but, you know, five or 10 years ago, if you, if you mentioned that uh, you used Linux for your operating system it was like, you know, oh, this is some, you know, hacker's tool or, you know, oh, you got to be like a computer genius to do that. And, um, 
And now, you know, if you make that comment, you, you know, you might hear somebody say, oh, yeah, um, I never really got into it, but, uh, you know, I tried Ubuntu for a while or I tried Linux Mint or, um, hey, I've, I've, I, I, uh, I saw that and was considering checking it out. What do you know about it? That sort of thing. So <clears throat> at, at the very least, I think it is more accepted than it used to be. Um, or or not viewed as something outside of the mainstream anymore right um and you know part of, and, and whether this is the fact or not i i don't know but um i'm uh, part of me thinks that uh um one of the big things that has helped besides you know the disaster of of windows 10 uh has been steam uh oh yeah and all of the uh, gaming titles that are now available on Linux. That's a great point. Uh, that is probably the number one answer that I see as to why someone isn't Linux full-time. Is games. <clears throat> yeah. And so Steam really has helped that. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, because I can't say the number of people that uh you know i would talk to online uh or even in person that say oh yeah you know i really like ubuntu but there's this one game title you know and yeah. I, I have to use windows for that and yeah. that's you know it's their favorite game and they can't give it up that's right well there's definitely that point out there and i'll have to say that i do dual boot windows on a separate drive so that I can play Battlefield. <laughs> and I don't I don't think that's going to be coming to Linux anytime soon, but no. the list of games that are supported by Steam has grown and grown and grown and yeah. it's all about the money as far as the uh, developers are concerned. So if there were enough people for them to make it worthwhile to work and make their games work on Linux, they would end up making their games work on Linux out of the box. Yes, but right now, well, and and, I, and you know, to that point, I think we're finally starting to see that uh, you know, in the past year or so, there are there are a lot more games, especially from the uh, from your from your independent developers, um, um, your small companies, that sort of thing, where they are out of the box uh, developing titles that are. Um, uh, you know, on Windows or their their multi-platform. Um, whereas for a while, and you'll even see this on some of the titles that are on Steam. I mean, really, what you have is you have a a Windows game that's got a wrapper on it so that you can run it in Linux. But you know, we're finally starting to see natively developed Linux games. Yep, and well, we're also seeing the performance of those games be come up to on par with windows oh and that absolutely includes the nvidia drivers being updated with them and but on overall the performance of you know there used to be games that could play on linux but you couldn't get near as fps or any type of good performance out of them and now you're seeing it to where it's almost right. exactly the same well and with the success of steam now you're seeing other companies who are looking at that and they're looking at that revenue platform and so that's going to be a case where competition is good. And we just saw a story where I think uh, Mozilla is looking at, you know, offering the ability to play through Firefox and uh, other, you know, that's going to be something where it's just going to continue to grow and get better. And as it does, 
uh, like you said, performance will improve, cost will come down, and hopefully then the availability of more uh, high-profile, high-end games. And, and maybe that's the last wall that has to be climbed before everyone says, well, you know, beyond that now. It used to be, I remember when I first got into Linux, it was more enterprise stuff. So, you know, how do I synchronize all my stuff? So if you were an Outlook user, and you needed that for work, and you had right. a, a sync, you know, uh, sync set up through. Um, oh my goodness, Exchange! Right, you were pretty much out of luck. Well, now with everything moving to the cloud, which is kind of on the same plane as we're talking about here with gaming, um, that issue is almost non-existent. You rarely hear about that as an issue anymore because uh, everything can be accessed and synchronized through the cloud. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like you, and, and the the kind of the plus with the cloud, and, and it goes beyond just just Linux itself. Is you know we're not we're we've we've moved to not only multi platform but multi device. You know, remember the days of um, <clears throat> when you were you, you had your Exchange Mail. And um, you were using a a pop three email, so you know the it, it, so much different than today when you're using IMAP, you know the IMAP protocol. And you know, hey, I can check my email on my phone. I can check it on this computer. I can check it on the computer upstairs, and I can check it from work. Um, I can check it on my tablet, and the platform makes absolutely no difference anymore. That, and that's a freedom. You know, we talk about Linux freedom, but that's part of it is having that freedom. Now, you don't feel like you're roped in or you're walled in. And Linux expands on that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the, and, and the, the, the freedom there is one. That's one of the things that <clears throat> um, for me that is really appealing to Linux. Just, uh, you know, the fact that. Um, however I want this system set up, I can set it up. <clears throat> Don't like the cinnamon desktop. Well, you know, pick, uh, you know, pick gnome three, pick, uh, you know, uh, budgie pit, whatever desktop environment you like. Um, for almost every application, there are several options, uh, you know, if you're looking at if you're looking at email, you know, and and you don't want to use a web-based interface, you know, you can go the route of Thunderbird. You can go um, uh, uh, Evolution. You can go Kmail. I mean, there's just there's just tons and tons of options for for your applications. AJ, we we don't know what in the world you're talking about switching <laughs> desktops. Why would anyone do that? <laughs> So what is your favorite desktop environment? Uh, my personal favorite is uh, Gnome Shell. Wow. Gnome Shell. <clears throat> uh, probably, I was hoping it was going to be KDE, but... <laughs> uh, well, and I tell you what, KDE is like a close second for me. Right. Um, <clears throat> and the, 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 the thing about Gnome Shell that I really like, like is um, that, that overview that you get when you hit when you hit your your Windows slash Super key, hit yeah. that key, 
all of your windows that, that uh, you know, every application that you have open, you get an overview of everything that, that is open and I can, you know, I can do a keyboard search and, and I can move things to um, other virtual desktops. Um, just really, really like that, that desktop. Now, having said that, it is not the perfect desktop. Uh, uh, usually, uh, every time there is a, a uh, update to the next GNOME Shell version, you have issues with the extensions uh, because they're not being updated as quickly because a lot of the extensions, you know, they're being developed by, uh, you know, uh, people that are outside of the, uh, the GNOME Shell team. Um, <clears throat> so, it, you know, there may be some lag there and, you know, uh, some some group may develop an extension and it just does not work well. Um, right. But kind of the beauty of the system is you don't like it, get rid of that extension, don't use it. AJ, up until uh, uh, really the last month and a half or so, I would have I would have said, oh, okay, well, you know, and kind of moved on. But having run exclusively the GNOME desktop for over a month and experimenting with those extensions, I get and it. That's a long time for Rob. That's a long time. <laughs> no, I totally get it. I mean, I developed an appreciation that I never expected. And that's kind of the the fun, exciting part of being in the Linux world is that it's a discovery process. And a lot of times it's a learning, it's an ongoing learning process. And my eyes were open to a lot of small things, just like you said, the activities overview. I didn't think much of it the first time I saw it. But as I started to use it more and more, you do miss it. You know, it's one of those things you realize it's handy. And, you know, it's just because you didn't see it doesn't mean it's not handy. And you find it, right. you know, handy. Um, so are you planning on uh, giving KDE a long run or a long try? Or, um, Well, you know, I'm going to do this Linux Mint Challenge. And, and my original idea was to do a month. Uh, on the Cinnamon desktop, then a month on on Linux Mint KDE, then a month on uh, on on um, Neon. But <clears throat> uh, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of kind of rethinking that and of just uh, sticking with sticking with with each of those longer. And then you know, as I get towards the end with Neon, you know, if I'm if I'm happy enough, then uh, I may just stick with Neon. Um, we'll, we'll just, you know, time will tell, you know, I did, uh, last year I went on, uh, open and was running KDE there, loved it. it. It was working great for me. And really, if it wasn't for the fact that, uh, I wanted to try something new, I'm, you know, I may have, uh, you know, still be there. Um, but I got bit by that distro hopping bug again and, uh, had to try <laughs> I see you remember. <laughs> so, the DHA club. Yeah. The DHA club. Well, I don't know if you know about our 800 toll free DHA distro hoppers anonymous number. <laughs> <laughs> so you had mentioned, uh, running windows at work. Are you exclusively Linux? If you don't mind my asking at home, is that, um, well, let me put it this way. I've got a, I've got a hard, there's a hard drive on my computer that, uh, that does have windows on it. And, um, other than using that for, 
I'll use that for like uh, when when the, the the next version of um, of um, LibreOffice comes out, and I will install it both on my Linux desktop and I'll install it on Windows so that I can compare and contrast um, because they are not exactly the same. And I'll try that with you know other multi-platform software just so that when I'm doing my review uh, or tutorial whatever I can point at, Hey, you know, um, I'm, I'm mainly using the Linux, the Linux version, but if you are on windows, you will see, you know, this difference, that right. sort of thing. Um, there's a couple of game titles that my kids play that they like to play on, uh, on that, uh, on that windows drive. Um, but, um, uh, for, for daily use, I really do not use it. Well, you hit on something else, too, I was curious about. Um, there are times when I don't really spend the amount of time that I should with a distro to really go through and talk uh, about it at a level that's much beyond surface stuff. And one of the things that I've always appreciated about what you do is you can get into multi-levels. Uh, it's, it's not all just surface and I always picked up on the thought that when, when you're going through uh, talking about a specific subject with a distro, you've spent some time with it. And is that typically your practice is that you're going to spend a lot of time with whatever it is before you actually go on and do a video about it? Yeah. Um, generally what I will do, I, other than unless it is, um, you know, unless we're talking about an alpha or beta release, uh, I will not run a distro in a virtual machine and try to try to do a review from there. Uh, Cause to me, unless you're put at the very least putting it on real hardware, you're, you're really not, you're really not telling people a whole lot about the distro and, and um, I don't want to call it, uh, you know, a fake review, but there's a lot that you can miss just by trying something out only on a virtual machine. Um, so I've got a, on, on my, uh, on my main uh, computer, I've got a hard drive that is a, uh, it's a uh, older 100, I think 120 gig hard drive that uh, is out on, uh, out of a laptop that uh, I've got set up into, into four different partitions um, and, I'll put a distro on each of those different partitions and uh, for at least a week, I will try to do the bulk of, you know, whether it's writing emails or, or um, just using LibreOffice or, you know, whatever, just daily use kind of things. I'll try to do that at least a week before I, uh, I do a review on it. That's excellent. And it, and it, again, it shows because, um, as you start moving from channel to channel, trying to learn, and that's what many, many people out there are doing. You know, they, they've got a buddy who says, Hey, check out this channel. And, and, you know, I think we need to load you up with Linux. You know, you've got a friend out there trying to talk another friend into exploring Linux for the first time. And now, you know, if you need to learn how to do anything today, you need to fix your washer. You can go to YouTube and, exactly. uh, you know, and so there's lots of people out there that I pick up on where uh, people are just kind of in that discovery process trying to determine, is this something I can do? And I think going to that level 
more than just a video playing in the background of uh, windows popping open and closing and music playing, not disparaging those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's a place for that from a visual aspect. Yeah, uh, exactly. We're wanting to learn, you know, uh, what you're doing is great, AJ. I appreciate it. Um, and, and, you know, I, um, I, I don't want to give give Linux a black eye or any distro a black eye. So, you know, I won't necessarily, um, if I've got have a bad experience with a particular distro, I'm not going to go go and do a video just doing nothing but bad mouthing them. But when I do the review, it's going to be a full review, and I am not going to sugarcoat any of the problems that I ran into. Um, you know, I've had distros where I get frequent quack crashes, and oh, KDE when when for KDE Neon first came out, I had all kinds of issues on uh, on my desktop computer with it, and uh, you know that's kind of why I wanted to go back to it and try it again, see if whatever the problems were is if it no longer exists. But I think that goes back to what you said about doing reviews on VirtualBox rather than doing it on real hardware because oh, absolutely. I, although there's a place for the virtual box reviews there if you don't do it on real hardware you're not giving the distro a real review because the distro has to react to the actual hardware so you had issues with KDE Neon when it first came out and yet when I started using KDE Neon when it first came out I had no issues yet I had oh, issues exactly. after updates were um, were there so and, and you know I and I've seen and I have seen, um, you know, kind of to that point, um, not just Neon, but other other distros where, you know, one person, they taught it, everything worked great right out of the box. And then another person, they had issue after issue after issue. And a lot of it just comes down to hardware compatibility. Well, right. I'll just say Manjaro is one of those. Oh there, yeah. There are, there's a yeah. lot of people that love Manjaro and it works great for them and they have zero issues and yet I have trouble every time I go to install Manjaro I have trouble with it. And uh, if and when I do get it installed and yet I've tried for a week now to get Manjaro installed on another drive and I can't because the installation fails no matter what I try to do with it. But in the past when I have got it installed it's run well for a week or two and then it just Something always seems to go wrong with it. But that goes back to, like I said, there's some people that run it all the time and have zero problems with it. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, you know, on the Manjaro issue, it runs great on my Dell laptop. Uh, it won't. I run into the installation issues and, and just uh, stability issues if I try running it on the desktop computer. Runs yeah. great in virtual machine, though. well and you know that's just the nature of what it is and unfortunately i think some people overlook that because um you'll hear about it you know right away if if you're on there singing the praises of the stability that you have had with your particular system that that's running on unfortunately that doesn't mean that that's going to be the case for you know, the 1500 people who watched that video and saw how happy you were about it. Right. It's a matter of hardware uh, differences. 
graphics cards, uh, you know, on and on and on. And I've had, let's face it, we've all had bad installs also where yeah. it's just the first install did not go well for whatever reason. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, you know, usually if I have, uh, you know, I, I try installing, you know, distro X on my, uh, on my, uh, uh, on my computer and the installation fails or, you know, I get it installed, but it is, you know, very buggy and, and, you know, it keeps crashing on me. I'll go and I will wipe that, that drive partition, uh, do a reinstallation just to see, uh, let's make sure that uh, there just wasn't an installation issue or, or yeah. something of that kind. Yeah. Uh, because it's entirely possible. It happens. That's right. That's right. Well, AJ, I've got a question for you that I'm sure you never get, and uh, this is <laughs> this is one where we always chuckle about it. So, brand new user, I'm coming to you for the first time, AJ. What Linux distro should I try? Mm, or, you, and, or what top three would you recommend? Yeah, because that one's kind of that one's. It's a it, tough one. It, it is a tough one. Probably, like if if we go with the top three. Um, you know, Linux Mint would be one of my, one of my top ones. Um, Ubuntu would be a top one. Um, probably, um, probably Peppermint. I think Peppermint is a good um, new user distro as well, uh, and that one is very light on the resources as well. Um, you know, straight Ubuntu. You know, right uh, with the with the Unity desktop. Um, I would put that a little towards the bottom of that new user list just because uh, compared to Linux Mint, I think Linux Mint, they've got a lot more, it's more ready to go right out of the box, I think. And the Unity desktop, there's a little bit of a learning curve involved. Um, whereas say if you're on, if you're, if you're running Linux Mint Cinnamon desktop, it, it's pretty intuitive on how it's work on how it's work. The layout it's it's similar enough for somebody that is coming from a Windows environment that they'll probably be able to figure out, you know, get into the menu and and, and that sort of thing. Well, that was my next question for Linux Mint. Uh, which which environment would you recommend, Cinnamon? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think Cinnamon would be my top pick. Um, uh, number two being being the Monte desktop, you know, uh, um, cinnamon and Monte, I think they're similar enough from, uh, from a functional standpoint that, you know, they're pretty close as far as that goes. Uh, Monte a little lighter on, on their resources. Um, but I really like that menu on cinnamon, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh KDE, you know, I, I, I love KDE, but, uh, you know, if you go to Linux Mint or Linux Mint KDE, it is already set up and ready to go for you. So, from that standpoint, it wouldn't it would be all right for for a new user. Um, but KDE, as far as setting up the panels, customizing that, there there's quite a learning curve there. Um, yeah, it is the ultimate in customization. You can essentially do anything you want with it, um, but it takes a while to learn how to do that. Yep, I agree. There's yep. a there's a <clears throat> excuse me, there's a sea of settings in KDE and you can yeah. dive in and dive really deep and be lost. Right. I you know, in the KDE thing, 
you know, one of my big gripes has always been K-Mail. K-Mail is an awesome email program, oh, yeah. but it is a nightmare to set up. Now, once you get it set up, it, it is, like I said, it is the ultimate uh, uh, Linux email program, but uh, it's it's quite a chore to get it set up. Well, I tried K-Mail before, and it it is absolutely awesome as far as custom. It's just like KDE. Anything in KDE, you can pretty much yeah. customize to your heart's content. But I did have one issue one time where it ended up losing email. Now, this was, this was a few years ago that this happened, so I'm not saying it is that way now. But I did lose a few emails at the time, and I really never went back to it only because of I didn't want to take the risk of losing emails because at that time I was still running pop mail or pop three and I didn't have the IMAP set up. And mm -hmm. like I said, I did lose emails and never went back to it right now. I could probably go back to it with no problems. Yeah. I, I stick, I, for, for my email, I stick with Thunderbird just because no matter what distro I, I use, no matter what desktop environment I use, Thunderbird always works. Yep. I've been surprised. I, out of a, a whim, decided to try uh, Claws Mail. And it's a very simple, straightforward. And I've actually, it's so funny talking about pop accounts. I actually have one pop account that I still have to use. It's work related. <laughs> and uh, did, didn't even realize that Claws Mail uh, will accept pop. And it does. And I, I find it, it is, it's really the complete opposite of uh, K-Mail, which you're both absolutely spot on. K-Mail, as far as mail clients, is the best that I have found as far as being able to really get things set up in a way that would work for you and with all the options you need and customization that you need. But I dread the thought of even going through that process with it. That's how exactly. complicated it can be. Uh, whereas clause mail is the exact opposite. It's, you know, type in your account name and bam, and it's very simple and straightforward. I'm waiting on a real killer. I'm old fashioned in that. Yes, I use um, Gmail and everything in the cloud, but I like having a mail client. I, actually, I, am, I am the same way. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've got all of my email accounts set up as IMAP so that, when I'm out on the go, I can go and I can check, um, you know, I can check from um, my cell phone or from my tablet. Um, and then also sometimes I'm on my desktop computer. Sometimes I'm on my laptop, um, you know, so IMAP makes that easy. But yes, I would much rather use a mail client as opposed to a web-based interface. I would love to see an Outlook something as good as Outlook and I'm going to praise Outlook because I've always have been a fan of Outlook. And have you found anything other than K-Mail AJ that you would say comes close? Um, probably not. Um, you know, evolution, I think they try, um, but I have had issues even recently because I usually every time when the maybe not every time that there's a new uh, there's a new uh, update, but every so often I'll go back to evolution to just give it a try. And uh, one thing I have noticed is that uh, there there can be um, issues with uh, um, uh, Gmail and uh, and evolution playing nice together. Um, 
sometimes you'll go to da to download your uh, to download your gmails and everything works perfectly just you know instantly uh, you know you, you get you get that download other times you'll just sit there and sit there waiting and waiting and waiting and you know there's email messages there because you just checked on your phone and you could see that there's email messages waiting for you but you just can't get them to download into evolution um, so I think they try from that whole um, that whole sweet perspective of having you know the calendar having your email your contacts all that together in one place you know it's it's an awesome concept but it uh, they still need some work on 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 you know making all those pieces work together yeah um, I think Thunderbird is a pretty good suite but you're still you're still missing some stuff there um, uh, the um, the lightning calendar it is not really integrated the way that the calendar is integrated into Outlook um, now the the, all the extensions that are available for Thunderbird, I mean that's really neat. There's a lot of there's a lot of really custom stuff that you can do there, make it really versatile. But I still think that Outlook has hasn't beat. Yeah, I would agree there. Uh, a Thunderbird, I always feel like I've stepped back in time somewhat when I use Thunderbird. I've, <laughs> yeah, you know it just. But the functions there, it's just that the overall UI, I feel like okay, it's 1997 again. Yeah. Well, AJ, is there anything you'd like to just share with uh, the folks uh, out there that listen to the podcast about things going on within the channel, uh, things that you've got planned <clears throat> for or anything like that? Um, you know, not, I mean, there, I already mentioned that the, you know, the, the Linux mint challenge thing. So I've got that going on. And as what I'm trying to do is I am doing these, uh, um, and I don't really want to call them new user distros, but, uh, um, you know, these distros that, you know, on a normal day-to-day -day basis, I probably wouldn't use just because I'm, I'm such a fan of, you know, like the Solus Arch, um, uh, the, uh, the ones where you got to put a little more time and effort into getting it set up. But, uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to do more, uh, 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 instructional videos for the new users out there. So um, I've actually got one one that's sitting on my desktop right now. I need to finish editing to get it posted. But uh, you know, on the Cinnamon desktop, how to go through and get your panel set up, customize uh, you know, customize the desktop to the way that you want it set up, not necessarily the way that uh, you know it it came from uh, the the Mint development team. Uh, so I'm going to try to focus a lot on those new user um, uh, tutorials. Um, but beyond that, um, you know, I I try to get input from uh, from my viewers. Of, you know, what kind of stuff are you guys wanting to see? Which um, you know sometimes can uh, sometimes is good, sometimes is bad. You'll get that that comment that they want to see how to do this one off the wall thing that almost nobody is interested in. So, uh, it's like, ah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. I want the I want you to do a video, please, AJ, on how I can put my sound applet right in the middle of my screen. Would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> but you have a website as well, right? 
Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, with how busy I've been recently, I have, I haven't been keeping it as updated as I would like, but, uh, um, that's just the way it is. Given a choice between, uh, uh, web development and making YouTube videos, I prefer YouTube videos. Um, but yeah, my, my website is ajrizic.com, just my name. And there's, if you go to my, my, uh, YouTube channel, there's, there's links to it there. So, uh, uh, easy enough to find. And you're active on Google plus. Yeah, that's usually Google plus. As far as uh, social media goes, Google plus is my, my favorite place to go. Um, you know, I'm on, on Facebook and, uh, and Twitter as well, but Google plus is where I'm most active. Um, Plus, there seems to be a lot of Linux users there, so it's a, a good company. Yep. That's right. That's right. Well, very good. Is there any other uh, link or anything you'd like to share with anyone? Um, you know, pretty much the my, my channel or my uh, or my webpage. That's the main places to, to get, get a hold of me. Um, and, you know, anybody ever wants to talk or ask a question, I've got links in both places so that uh, um, you can get in touch with me. Well, AJ, we appreciate it immensely, and I know the Destination Linux listeners will enjoy uh, enjoy this chat, and we appreciate all the work you've done. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, and thanks for being on. Oh, you bet. I've had a good time. All right. Thanks, we'll AJ. check you later.